My name is Willie Bolin. I study influence, persuasion, and leadership in selling and sales management, and I teach people how to sell. In this podcast, we'll talk to some of the world's top sales leaders and see what we can learn from them. Welcome to the Sales Lab. All right. Welcome to part three of our conversation with Matthew Isaac from Seattle University. Uh, we are going to kind of wrap up this conversation, learn a little bit about Matthew's journey from a biology major to a consultant to a professor, and talk about the lessons he's learned in each of these roles. And uh, it's kind of an interesting discussion around how marketing compares with sales. Are they the same thing? What are the differences? Matthew has some great thoughts. And of course, he leaves us with some books that every sales leader should have on their shelf. Hope you get something out of it. Now, um, I also, you know, we dove into the research because I'm a, I'm a dork, but uh, I also want to take a step back and talk about you're not just a professor. You know, you, you worked for some time as a consultant with CS and I think Bain, right? Yep. And uh, so walk us through that. I mean, how, how, did, how was that? How were those experiences? What did you get from them? And then what led you back into academia at some point? I, I, did, I did an MBA. So I, so I was actually a biology major as an undergrad. And then I, I worked for a couple, couple of years actually teaching GED classes. And then I ended up going from there back to get an MBA degree. Um, and, and frankly, it was a little bit related to sales in that even though I was teaching at this community center, I found that I was spending a lot of time working on developing uh, grants and writing grants, trying to persuade people to, to to give us money. And I knew nothing about how that how that worked. And it ended up taking me into the kind of the business uh, side. So I went back, did an MBA, and then afterwards worked in consulting for five years. And and my experience with ZS was just fantastic for, for a couple of reasons. One, I, I hadn't recognized or realized kind of the scale of kind of the sales world. I knew there were salespeople, but ZS, uh, when it started, was was mainly doing work in healthcare pharmaceutical, with pharmaceutical companies. And there were tons, tons of salespeople in each company. And it was just amazing to kind of understand and think about the facts that you could get incredible amounts of data on activities that salespeople were doing, you know, what products, what uh, uh, they were detailing to specific physicians and how often they were visiting them. And then you could also get outcome data. You could see what physicians were prescribing and that you could kind of put that together to kind of figure out stuff. I thought that was just endlessly fascinating. And, and uh, frankly, that's, uh, you know, there's an academic bent to that, which I really liked. I think for me, I, I was less interested in kind of, uh, I, I don't want to call it the more touchy-feely kind of consulting, you know, which felt a little more fuzzier. For this, at least coming out of my MBA, it felt very, very clear and kind of analytical, right? Like you could get all of this data and you could figure out some insights from it. And, um, you know, and the company ZS was founded by two Kellogg professors, the two business school professors, uh, Andy Zoltners and Prabha Sinha. And so I think there was this kind of academic lens that went into the work, which I really appreciated. And frankly, there, there are many um, ex-ZS consultants and managers that are now uh, that are now in academia. So it ended up being a, you know, a funnel for for many of us. In, in a variety of directions. And well, and when I think about ZS, I think about, you know, uh, comp plans, setting up territories, yep. setting quotas, things like that. Is that the uh, area that you were working in or were you doing something a little different? 
Yeah, so so I did work across. So, so a lot of the work is in Salesforce sizing, uh, where you're thinking about how many salespeople do you need. It's on geographic and territory deployment. Where do we keep? Where where should people be based? What should be their territory? Even like, let's take a map and draw it out here and figure out what what makes sense. And then uh, certainly incentive compensation design. I worked in all of those areas. I had great experiences. I got to work directly with Andy Zoltners on, on multiple projects. So uh, I got to, to tap into all of that. Cool thing for me was I was part of an area where we were trying to expand beyond healthcare and pharmaceuticals and and move into other kinds of industries. And that was cool because it, it, it was different because you might not have the same data, like in terms of prescriptions, you might not have that kind of data for all which you had for all doctors, you might not have the same kinds of information in in another field. And so um, the the cool kind of challenging part was, well, how do we uh, figure out ways to find data that can help us to drive insightful recommendations for the client? And um, and so I enjoyed uh, I enjoyed working, you know, in financial services, worked in, uh, you know, techno- with technology companies, w- worked uh, with construction companies. So it was cool to learn about different industries, but then also think about uh, how the sales process worked. Probably the most fun experiences, though, because even though I, I really liked the numbers part of it and bringing all this data in, it was really fascinating to go on what we would call rep rides. So I spent a lot of time, you know, going to different, uh, when we'd start a project with a company, we wouldn't, the first thing we would do wouldn't be to just collect all the data and look at a bunch of spreadsheets. Uh, People on our team would often uh, go and spend entire days or weeks uh, riding along with the salesperson and understanding, you know, what they were doing, where they were going, what the conversations were like. And that was, I think, probably what got me interested in the psychology part of it, because I saw that it you couldn't just rely on the sales response curve and looking at just the, the numbers. You had to understand the qualitative aspects of these kinds of interactions. And that, I think, was uh, was cool. So definitely an amazing experience, um, you know, straight out of my MBA to get to work with so many different companies, work, uh, see how the sales function lived and interacted with other functions in in different organizations. So yeah, I'm I'm a big fan, as you can probably tell. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, you did that. And then Bain, Bain came after. Yes. Yeah. So I was a consultant and manager for ZS first uh, across a few offices, worked in the Chicago area, and then um, moved to the Bay Area and worked for ZS there. And then decided to, to expand uh, a little bit outside of sales just to broaden my toolkit and uh, moved to Bain and Company, which is a more general management consulting strategy firm. But the interesting thing is my favorite projects there were all about, you know, how do we how do we grow our revenue? How do we uh, how do we increase our top line? Which often involved thinking about the sales function and the and the sales force. The projects I disliked were all the cost containment and you know how do we how do we reduce costs? How do we uh, do we offshore things like that? I didn't like that at all. So I knew that my interest was really in thinking about how do we how do we drive the top line and and that growth dimension. Uh, yeah, for sure. That was that was super interesting both at ZS and at Bain. Good. So what are, uh, what are, what are some things that you took away from those experiences that, uh, that you think maybe people listening 
don't know. Yeah, so I mean, your li- your listeners may know a lot of this, but for me, it, it was informative. I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things. So the first is a really understanding how sales should uh, work within the marketing function, and 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 that it is part of marketing. So I, I think when I um, when I teach even now, I when I teach sales management, I, my first class I talk about the salesperson stereotype. And I have to admit, I probably had that when I started at ZS, which is, you know, if you think about the words that people associate with salespeople, it's things like pushy and, you know, I'm trying to, uh, there's often these negative associations. And um, I think I came to realize that sales is really marketing in the sense that the, the goal is yes there is this there is an element in some way of influencing behavior as with as with all things i guess um but the the bottom line is it's the real focus is on understanding customer wants and needs which is what marketing is about and identifying ways that you can deliver on those wants and needs in a way that is potentially superior to the alternatives in the marketplace. So, so for me, sales is marketing in that sense. What, what sales has that's different is this incredible customer intimacy that marketing uh, uh, has sometimes, but they don't have it at that same level on the day-to-day uh, basis. So I think I, I, I came uh, out of that experience viewing sales as being an important value creation engine for a firm but also having this really, really important role because of the intimacy that, that the sales function has with customers and losing that or not um, using that effectively is at your own peril if you're a business. And so, so I think that that was a big, big learning for me in that role. I, I think the other thing I, I learned that I, t- that I try to communicate in my, my courses now is that you have to look really carefully at what the sales job is. Because I think we, we have a lot of companies that come to campus and recruit in sales, frankly, a lot more maybe than, than are recruiting our grads uh, for marketing roles. And there are some sales jobs that are incredible, that are not jobs, they, they are careers. You know, they can really get you to an incredible career because you sure you make money but you are able to really learn and grow and become a leader in an organization uh, and develop this kind of toolkit but there are also some sales jobs that are 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 not that and that i wouldn't encourage my you know my students to take because I, i think it might be selling short their their capabilities and skills it 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 is more of an order taker kind of role so so i think rather than having this one size view of what the sales function is it's really important to understand kind of the day-to-day role what the training looks like what the career progression and growth might be trajectory is yeah yeah so those are a couple of things that that at least for your audience they probably know all that but it was it was definitely new to me you know from from that experience no, and I no, I think you're I think you're very right that there's something strange about the the it's it's such a broad area, right? That yeah, some salespeople are upstanding ethical Eagle Scout consultants, you know, uh, uh, and some are up to some other stuff that uh, you know we wouldn't want our students doing that we wouldn't appreciate if somebody pulled it on us, and you know that's uh, 
you mentioned the, the first the first day of a sales class. You know, if I, if I'm teaching an introductory sales course to students that you know they what they know about salespeople is maybe a car dealer, maybe a, a representative at a Best Buy or something like that. You know, we we need to set the boundaries. You know, hey, listen, the the university is not having me teach you a class about how to be loud. You know, there's something more here. There's there's a reason for this. Let's uh, let's talk about what we're actually dealing with. The fact that you know, uh, even many of your parents are in sales, but they've lied to you and they've told you that they are a territory development manager. Well, what the hell does that mean? What are you developing? Sales number? Oh, okay, okay, okay. That, let's connect the dots. Oh, you're a, you manage relationships, right? So uh, you're paid in high fives. What does it mean? What? How do you know if you've managed the relationship well? Oh, dollars. Yeah. So yeah, it's, there's a lot of a lot of that, but it is. It almost feels like uh, I remember. <laughs> this is a weird reference, I admit, but in whatever year Gary Johnson was running for uh, president under the Libertarian ticket, and I watched him and Bill Weld with great enthusiasm because they kept doing hilarious things. At one point, there's an interview, I forget with whom, and they're they're talking to Gary Johnson. Uh, it was right before the Libertarian Party National Convention, and he says. Uh, he, the question is, you know, well, what, what, uh, you know, what do you, what, sh- what should somebody coming to this convention for the first time expect? And his response was, well, you're going to meet some of the most sincere, heartfelt, dedicated, smart, insightful people you've ever met, and then you're going to meet some people who are absolutely crazy. And uh, <laughs> you know, I think maybe we're in a similar boat, right? There are some really top. I mean, the type of people you'd want in your family. You know, your your children should marry people like this, right? Uh, and then some, yeah, some weirdos that you go, well, that's not that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what I do. That's this other thing. Back to nuance, I guess, right? That's a great point, and and. I think along with that is kind of some people have this view that if you are going into sales, it's because you're a relationship guy, you know, and this is kind of, this is what I do. And especially now with the kinds of tools and, you you know, you know, what information we have about customers, et cetera, actually having those kinds of strong analytical quantitative skills are, are super important. And so I think there's, there are tons of these stereotypes out there on what what it takes to be a successful salesperson and to your point it, it's not it, it's going to vary it's going to depend on what industry we're talking about what role that sort of thing so yeah it's it is nuance absolutely you do that you're at bain for a little while what what causes you to to come back to school why so for me it, i think it it really turned into what was the most exciting part of the the job that I was doing. And frankly, at Bain even, so so at Bain, I would do a lot of projects which were for private equity firms. So we would be asked to do what they called strategic due diligence. So what that means is they weren't asking us to say, you know, how much this, this company didn't want us to tell them how much to pay for this company they were thinking of acquiring, but they wanted to understand what's going to happen in this space, you, you know, in the next 10, 20 years and figure that out in two weeks. And so uh, those were, you know, stressful two weeks of trying to learn an industry. I remember trying to learn everything I could about the cardboard box industry in two weeks Mm -hmm. in order to be able to project what, what might happen in the space. But that's uh, that's riveting. (laughs) It's riveting. yeah. Yeah. But the, but the cool, the projects were the ones where it involved talking to 
customers. So I, I remember we did some work where we were doing these mall intercepts. We were, uh, there was a company that was considering buying a urban apparel clothing store, which a uh, brand that they were uh, considering and they had, uh, you, you know, outlets in, in the malls. And so we would stand outside and we would talk to customers as they left. And we tried to understand, you know, why they had gone there, what they had bought, what, you know, what it was that was driving them to buy, to buy this versus that. And that was really cool, <laughs> you know, and seeing that it wasn't, driven by the price tag it wasn't driven there were so many psychological kind of factors that went into consumer decision making and i just thought to myself well that's what i want to study i want to understand how how these decisions get made and i also want to be able to pick my projects that's a great part about as you know being an academic i don't have to do a cost cutting project tomorrow <clears throat> because my client wants me to i can do a project to understand why people like uh, you know, to donate $12 when, uh, when it's the 12th anniversary for, for some nonprofit, which is cool. I, I love that uh, autonomy. No, that makes sense. So yeah, you, you, you want to go a little bit deeper and you want to, this is, uh, I mean, this mirrors my own motivation. I, uh, you know, I'd worked in insurance and accounting services and some other weird things that popped up here and there for a few years and decided to go back to school, finish my undergrad as a, as a uh, two-time college dropout. And uh, as I was finishing up my undergrad, I, I, I sat with a company and I, they, I, I still think they're a great company. I think it would have been a, a great thing to pursue. And um, it, it, it boiled down to this realization that I don't think I'd ever had before that man, autonomy is really, really important to me. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm oddly, I'm also a bit of a workaholic. So like, it's not, it's not that I'm, uh, wanting to put my feet up and, and coast or anything. It, it, I get quite paranoid if I even attempt to do such a thing, but, um, it's that, yeah, I want to pick the projects. I want to, I don't, somebody's going to say, you need to be here at eight, uh, eight o'clock on this day for, because I said so. I don't know, man. I'm a little too, uh, I'm a little too, uh, I don't know, of my generation to uh, to understand or appreciate that sort of uh, uh, request. You know, well, I'll, I'll be there at eight oh five. You know, that's that's the same. No, 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 that's not that's not eight. No, no, I'm sorry, you're you're one hundred percent wrong. It is exactly the same, and you will not convince me otherwise. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. That that might be partially dysfunctional, but all that to say, no, I agree. It's good to it's good to wake up in the morning and know that you're doing what you want to do because you want to do it. Yeah, and you know, for for me, it was also such a full circle moment because I ended up doing my PhD at Kellogg, where you know, as I said, ZS was founded by two Kellogg professors, and Andy Zoltner's was still in the department. So even while mm -hmm. he was building this, you know, incredible company, uh, he was still actively uh, teaching at Kellogg uh, and I got to interact with him in that role as a PhD student when he was a faculty member there. And one of the cool experiences that I've ever had is I, I did a postdoc for a, an extra year at Kellogg when I finished. And that was the year that Andy retired from teaching. And I got the chance to teach his MBA sales management class at Kellogg. I was the wow. first person to teach it uh, after he had taught it for probably 30 years. 40 years uh, there. So it really was pretty full circle. Yeah. Well, I, I only did it one year and, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to fill his shoes. I was just, just trying to use his book and get, get by, which I, which I, at least I was able to do that. 
that's a great experience. Which which book did you use, by the way? I've used a couple. I, I've taught with, there, there's kind of a larger book. I can't remember the name. I think it's Accelerating Sales Force Performance, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, that I, I have, right. I've used that one. Um, and there's another one that I have used that's a little bit shorter, but I can't remember the name of it. So I've used two and, and I've used, Andy has been very generous with his cases. I've used a bunch of, he has a, a bunch of cases that are clearly coming from ZS experience. And yeah, uh, awesome. so I've, I usually use uh, some combination of those when I teach uh, at Seattle U. Well, one last thing, this is a little off topic, but um, sure. one thing I think is really cool that I've seen more, more universities do is teach sales management at the undergrad level. Mm-hmm. I, I used to see, I, and I know that may be different at places that have sales programs, that sort of thing. But I used to see in the undergrad level, the, the sales course that was generally taught was personal selling. And I've started yeah. to see more sales management, which I think is super important because even if you're not going to be managing, understanding what your manager is thinking and how they're thinking about you know, yeah. sales for size and compensation and things like that can really help. So I, that's my favorite undergrad sales class to teach. I actually haven't taught personal selling. I've only taught uh, sales management and I get to use, you know, all the ZS stuff for that. And, and undergrads seem to like it too, because they're learning uh, things that'll help them make sales into a career rather than just, you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do, do, do your time out on the floor and then, yeah, go, go lead a team. Yeah. Yeah, or you know, a lot of places for a while even had the um, the personal selling slash sales management jammed together one semester. You're going, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I can easily think about ways to break a sales management course into two courses, maybe more if we wanted to get detailed. Uh, and if, and uh, you know, a lot of sales programs now have a basic professional selling and then an advanced professional selling that's all behavioral and you know, role playing and doing the thing. And uh, so to, t- to take all of that material and try to do it in one semester, I mean, it's it it c- could not possibly be anything more than a survey, right? Uh, here's here's a bunch of definitions. Here's some concepts you need to know. Compensation is a thing. All right, moving on. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Hang on. These are these are big subjects. Don't don't do that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I agree. Well, um, you know, one thing I try to ask uh, is, from everybody is some book recommendations uh, for for listeners that want to learn more? What are some books that every sales leader, every salesperson should have on their shelf? I do like um, Daniel Pink's book, To Sell as Human. I think that mm-hmm. is, that's cool because it, it does talk about some of the stereotypes that you know we've talked about, but then also the fact that selling is is universal. And I, I like the, the ways that, that that's discussed. So to sell as human, I think understanding the history of the sales profession is, is useful. There's a book called uh, The Birth of a Salesman, I think yeah. uh, is the title that that I've I've read that that I like as well because I think it's it's nice to understand how the profession has evolved and kind of see see that from its uh, from its origins. So I like that one. And then I you know I'm a consumer psychologist and I, I do believe that a lot of the uh, psychology books out there are very applicable. Uh, to sales context, certainly Nudge, which we've already talked about. The book by Richard Thaler and Cass Sunstein it has is very, very important. Cialdini's books on persuasion influence is is a great, great book in the the sales space. And and then I, I love uh, Chip Heath. I've been uh, reading and I've done some um, presentations 
lately to, to different audiences and companies or on his uh, on some of his work and, and, and some of my research. And he has a new book called uh, Making Numbers Count. And he is also one of the co-authors of Made to Stick. And those both, are, I think, are great books. Uh, the new one on Making Numbers Count is really cool because it's all about what is the best way to present numerical information. And there's all these mistakes that we make doing that. And so I think he does a nice job uh, with uh, with that discussion. So those are a few that, that I've been... Oh, those uh, are great. Yeah. Perfect. That's it for this interview. I hope you got something valuable out of it. Of course, if you did, be sure to subscribe and rate this podcast on whatever app you use to listen. Also, share this with your colleagues and friends, and let's continue to have a deeper discussion on all things related to selling and sales leadership. See you next time in the Sales Lab.